Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost. I'm your host Annette. And I'm Stephen. And I was trying something different. Did it work? Did it sound too anchor woman? No, it sounded good. Okay, cool. And welcome to episode 47. Mm-hmm. Stephen. Annette. We're going to Kentucky. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you if you've heard the story we're going to go for because I know you haven't. Unless I... Was I talking mostly? I don't know, but I, I, you cut me off. I, I was about to say Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm hungry now. Uh-huh. We crack on? Yeah, let's crack on. People assume the terms haunted and cursed are synonymous, often because a person who owns or is in close contact with said item seems to have a negative experience. However, there is a difference. Let's break it down. A haunted item is usually something that belonged to someone that has since passed. If they cared greatly for the item while alive, they will generally be attached or rooted to the item even in death, like a pendant or an item of clothing, often a wedding dress, or even something as big as last week's episode, Whaley House. The same can be said for items specifically created, like a bespoke piece of jewellery, a painting or an item of clothing. The creator's emotional intensity can somehow entangle itself in every jewel setting, every brush stroke and every stitch. So as long as the creator had good intentions, he should be fine. A cursed item, however, well, that's a different thing altogether. It's not as different as day and night, but more like the difference between Casper the Friendly Ghost and that thing that hides under your bed that you fear will grab your ankles and pull you down to the depths of hell. A cursed item is seldom born evil. It can be mistaken because it's beautiful, innocent, and in some cases the most mundane item you own. But then someone with ill intent gets their hands on it. There are many different ways to curse an item, So today, let's discuss the conjure chest. Probably my least favourite period in American history is the time of plantations, slaves and inhumane treatment, but here we are. We begin our story in 1830 on a plantation near Frankfort, Kentucky. Here lived a man named Jacob Cooley. Jacob and his wife were expecting a child, their first child at that, so Jacob wanted to do something special along with the other preparations for the baby's arrival. Jacob summoned an enslaved African-American by the name of Jose. He was an extremely talented craftsman. On Jacob's instruction, Jose set to work as quickly as he could making a chest of drawers for the new baby. He hand-carved a mahogany veneer chest of drawers with acanthus leaves, a beautiful Greek scroll work on the columns and ornate glass handles. I will of course include a photo in case you can't find the right one and I implore you to see it because it is stunning even by today's standards. So my next sentence will likely shock you. It's not mentioned exactly what Jacob wanted, but apparently the beautiful piece was so off the mark Jacob beat Jose so badly that he died from his injuries. And although that alone is tragic, the salt on the wound was that Jacob wound up putting the chest of drawers in the baby's room anyway. Jose's death enraged the other slaves, so much that they sought the help of a conjure man to curse the chest for generations to come. To do this, they sprinkled the dry blood of an owl inside the drawers of the chest, while a chant was sung and thus begun the terrible curse of the chest. It was then moved to the nursery, 
where it began to slowly peck off family members, starting with, nope, not Jacob. He managed to avoid death, but his new baby, for whom the chest was made, only lived for a few days. The chest was then moved into Jacob's second son's room. His clothing was placed in the drawers, and all was well until his 21st birthday, when he was stabbed to death by his servant. John, Jacob's third son, inherited one of his father's plantations and lived a happy bachelor life until he met a young girl named Ellie. Not long out of her teens, there was a substantial age gap between the two, but they married and were happy. The couple were next in line to inherit the chest of drawers, but Ellie, knowing the history of tragedies the chest seemed to bring her husband's siblings, she put the chest in the attic. Good woman yourself, Ellie. It was at this time that Jacob's daughter, Melinda, met and eloped with an Irish man named Sean. I can only imagine this was a bit of a whirlwind romance because there were no living arrangements made by either of them. So Melinda turned to Ellie for help. Ellie and John had fared well for themselves and acquired several farms throughout Tennessee. So they turned over one of these to Sean and Melinda to work. But while Melinda had a football team worth of children and worked herself to the bone on the farm from sunrise to sunset, Sean began to despise farm life. Melinda's dreary existence deserved some beauty, thought Ellie. So she sent the chest to the farm. It had been sitting in the attic for such a long time and nothing had happened, so I'm sure she believed it would be fine. But the bright lights of New Orleans lured Sean away from his wife within days of the chest's arrival. Melinda was distraught. She took to her bed and not long after died, an exhausted, grey-haired woman barely out of her thirties. As for Sean, following his desertion, he was struck in the head by a steamboat's gangplank and passed away. The couple left many children orphaned. John Cooley of John and Ellie was given the job of assigning the youngsters to other family members. John took charge of the youngest daughter, Evelyn, who grew up into a beautiful and intelligent young woman. At age 16, she passed an exam and earned a teaching certificate and began a teaching position in a one-room schoolhouse. Two months after she began teaching, she met and married a Scotsman named Malcolm. As a wedding present, Ellie gifted the couple you guessed it, the chest of drawers, but it seemed the curse was all but forgotten. Evelyn had children of her own and adopted a daughter named Arabella. Years later, Arabella married and Evelyn put Arabella's wedding dress into the chest. Not long after, her husband died, followed by Arabella's child after her clothes were placed in the chest of drawers. Evelyn's immediate family suffered three more tragedies but Malcolm was successful. Using a shrewd Scottish eye, he built a business empire that included mills, houses, a coal yard, a wharf, and a dry goods store at its height. When Malcolm died, he was a very wealthy man. And while Evelyn lived a comfortable life, the memories of those near her who suffered haunted her. And sadly, she took her own life. As the 20th century rolled in, the chest was inherited by Virginia Carey Hudson. Unfortunately, Virginia thought the tales of the curse were nothing but hearsay, but she would soon find out she was wrong to assume. Her first baby's clothes were put in the chest. 
The baby was born prematurely and died the same day on August 8, 1915. Her daughter Anne's clothes were tucked in a drawer and she contracted polio. Although she recovered, Anne endured related symptoms all her life. Virginia's daughter, also named Virginia, kept her wedding dress in the chest. Her husband was rushed to hospital for an appendectomy. He died November 9, 1944 from an overdose of ether. Virginia's neighbour put his hunting clothes in the chest. He was killed in a gun accident at the home of a neighbour's on April 5th, 1946. Then Virginia's son put his clothes in the chest. Less than a week later, he was stabbed through the hand at school. Virginia had had enough of the chest and did not want anyone else to die. She asked a maid named Annie, who worked with Virginia most of her life, if she knew how to break a conjure. Virginia and Annie found out and completed the steps necessary to break the curse. Annie told Virginia she needed a dead owl brought unasked by a friend. A stuffed owl given to Virginia's son by a friend accomplished the first requirement. Then she had to take the leaves of a willow tree planted by a friend and boil them for one day inside of the owl. The owl kept watch from the kitchen counter. Next, she was to put the liquid in a jug and bury it with the handle facing east under a flowering bush. If it worked, either Virginia or Annie would die before all of the leaves fell off the bush in the next fall. Annie died the following September. To this day, some of the owl feathers remain in the top drawer to keep the curse at bay. Eighteen deaths are associated with the chest. I'm not even sure if I mentioned them all. Virginia Carey Hudson, Maine, donated the conjure chest to the Kentucky Historical Society in 1976. Her daughter Beverly Maine Kinzel tried to convey her mother's motivations to donate the chest to the Kentucky Historical Society. She said, I don't think she would turn it loose. I mean, imagine putting it out on the curb, knowing that someone might put items in it and then die. She felt that it needed to be preserved, but to be kept away from innocent people in a place that would make it very clear that it wasn't to be used. So what do you think of that story? That was really good. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really interesting. There's there's, there's so many names in there I'm not expecting uh, no. it to. Yeah. I, I think what I'll do, I'll come back to it later, I think I'll just put, sometimes I'll just put one in there and let that man or woman lead the show. Lead yeah. the show, yeah. Do you know what's crazy though? Because a lot of people would say, oh no, that's coincidental. That only happened. But like, I'd, I wouldn't read too much into that two or three thing. But 18 people is not a coinky dink. I don't care what anyone says. No. I want to show you the chest though. Because given the era that it was made in and they wouldn't have had the tools that we have today, is it not the most fantastic piece of furniture you've ever seen? Like all the detail in it. They're the leaves that I was talking about and then the Greek detail here. And then the knobs or the the door handles are mm. made of glass. I just think it's stunning. And then it's on wheels. So obviously that's just convenient because I couldn't understand how the size of it, how poor Ellie kept donating it to people. Mm, she's wheeled it. Obviously, were the wheels put on a later date or were they, they made with it? I don't actually know. I, I couldn't tell you because they, that they seem like the kind of legs that would have been made on their own first. It, it, does, it does look though. It, it's one of them pieces that looks odd with a set of wheels on the bottom. It does look a little bit odd. Yeah. I actually thought, initially when I looked at it, I thought it was only on the back wheels. And I thought, well, that's handy because mm. then you can just kind of pivot it. 
but uh, it's, a, it's a stunning piece of furniture. Mm. I don't know what the hell your man was looking for, but if somebody handed me that and said, there, that's, that's, there you go, there, that's for the twins, I'd be like, thank yeah. you very much. Nice. I owe you a few points. Oh, you want a few points for that. That's It's beautiful. It is fairness. gorgeous. Did you did you manage to think of any characters for me? Because I was thinking that you might, like, you know, because we haven't, Kathy Bates has been on hiatus there for yeah. a couple of days. Yeah, well, look, you, 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 who do you reckon we should give I think she would be the one who would have the cop on him after a couple and kind of go, mm, I think I should put this somewhere mm. safe. Because the whole time it was in somebody's attic, it was fine. Yeah. It seems as though the only people that were ever affected by it were the people that actually put their clothes into it. Yeah. Um, because while it was in Stay their safe, kids. Attic, put your clothes on the floor. <laughs> yeah. While it was in their attic, it was fine. So there was the couple that had it in their attic. Um, and it was only until their adopted daughter got married and they put their wedding dress mm. into it that kind of everything went south from there do you know who evan peters is no you do he's in a new film a new series called i think it's stammer but i haven't seen it but it's got raving reviews but he's one of the main characters in most if not all of american horror sorry no that's not who i thought you were thinking of i love him he's, he's deadly he's brilliant do you know what I think you'd be great in? I think you would be fantastic in like a psychological thriller. Yeah, I think that's the most recent one. I think it's really. Uh, yeah. I'd say he was. I'd say he'd be brilliant. Yeah, I think you were talking. You were thinking about uh, the dad. The dad. Yeah. yeah, I think that's who I was thinking of. Um. So I think who would he play now of your characters? Well, Doesn't I don't he... know though. As much as I think he'd be great in a psychological thriller, I can't see him beating the bejesus out of somebody for a piece of furniture. Sorry, that sounded no, I... really insensitive. I didn't mean for it to be insensitive, but I just think it's absolutely hilarious that no, it's not hilarious. I think it's disgusting, but I just I don't understand history and that part of it. No, and, it's... and as much as I I love reading about it, it's it's kind of like. It's nearly like true crime. You know what I'm like with true crime. I'm if I'm not listening to true crime, I'm asleep. Actually, sometimes I listen to true crime to try and get me to sleep. But I can never be desensitized by. I think the reason I'm so keen, or I think the reason I'm so interested in true crime is because I would just love to get into the mind frame of somebody who can physically do something as evil as take someone else's life, but to do it over a piece of furniture. And not that there's any justification for it, but what the hell was he looking for if that wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know what what he was thinking. So that's your one character for me, or your two characters. So we've got Kathy Bates and we've got Evan, Evan Peters. Peters. Yeah. So we've got the guy who started it all and the girl who had the cop on to end it all. And the two of them are American Horror Stories. They are, they are. Um, but that's just because they're really versatile actors, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't fall down a rabbit hole this week. No? No. I suppose I did, but I didn't really. This story kind of, it was a bit of a cluster because... So basically, the lady who donated the Chester drawers wrote a book. Yeah. I don't know if she thought GDPR would be a thing in the future or if she just wanted to respect everybody's privacy, but she basically changed everybody's names. Ah. So I'm not 100% sure if the names that I read are the official story. Ah. Because in 2007, the Conjure Chest and then another name hyphenated in there as well. Um, she just outs everybody and she gives everybody's names. Um, and then some of the tellings were slightly different. I've put up the link there. I didn't actually use any of the information from it. I just thought it was a really, really interesting read, but from history.ky.gov. So it's the Kentucky, I suppose, the website for all of their history and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've put that up. The link that I, 
I didn't actually use any of the information because all the names were different. And it was really hard for me to, this was the rabbit hole I fell down. I was trying to distinguish, okay, the guy put in his hunting stuff, but he died on a hunting trip or something. But in the other story, it was different. So it was really hard to try and match. None of the names and the activities were equally changed. So it wasn't Bob went to the shop, but the true story was actually David went to the bowling alley. It wasn't like that. It was like names were all over the place. Activities were all over the place. Deaths were all over the place. I probably should have put like a disclaimer at the start. All sorts of deaths are mentioned because any any mean, means of death was there. I mean, your man getting hit in the head with a gangplank. The gangplank. Yeah, that that's just fun. On one of those boats with the big wheels on the side of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a steamboat. Steamboat. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't exactly fall down a rabbit hole. I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's a very short episode. It was a good one. It's a good. It was good. It mm-hmm. was it was chock full. And like I said, I, I, I know you like it when it's just kind of like bam, bam, bam. Have you any questions for me? No questions. No, I just thought the, uh, the description between Cursed and Haunted was interesting. Because I, I thought they were the same. I Yeah, I never really thought of it like that, yeah. Um, I assumed cursed. Now this is this is my my teeny tiny knowledge of it, and uh, it's because of my inner pirate. I assumed a cursed thing was something that was originally something ornate, something beautiful, something mundane, something whatever, and a curse was put on it. And haunted was like haunted homes where I, I kind of had a grasp, but I thought they were both related, but they're about as far away from each other as. I cannot be the only person who fears the thing that's under the bed, which is why we got a, a bed with under storage <laughs> or under storage drawer things. I fear the thing that I haven't checked is not there for a while. <laughs> it's but like the, haunt, the, the way you described that, the cursed haunted thing is kind of like venom and poison, and you, they're intertwined. Yeah. Used, but they're very different things. I Both are bad. Had, yeah, well, you wouldn't want to be knocking them back yeah. in shots like. Um, um, poison is ingested, whereas venom is inserted so ingested so, and injected yes yeah cool yeah, yeah. cool so if you, if you eat poison you get sick or die if i don't know if you eat venom you get sick or die it probably depends I imagine on the venom, you would because eventually it will go into the, your bloodstream pro, the primary like you get poison on say the, the leaves of plants or there's a certain frog it's probably a couple of frogs shouldn't be licking frogs Stephen. no you are all drugs all drugs whereas poison it's something bites or stings you yeah like, you can eat a poisonous mushroom. Probably shouldn't eat a poisonous snake. Although, I wonder if you ate the poisonous snake. snake. Well, I suppose there would be... Po- I'm sure there is a snake that if you ate, it would make you... Snakes would tend to be venomous because they bite and inject. Yeah, but isn't that kept in, like, ducts? Or is it... Yeah. Like, if you eat yeah. the tail of a snake that is venomous, would the tail be venomous? It's a good question. Maybe we'll give that later. We finish up there, so... Say your words. Nice, short and sweet episode. Okay, so thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions regarding this or any other episode, please feel free to DM us on our Instagram. Our email is whatsthestoryghost at gmail.com if you have any personal stories you would like to share. I will include all the links in the description of the episode and those are all my words. It's a jingle. It's a jingle. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) What's a Kentucky Fried Chicken song? I don't know. Do you want me to leave it as just that little whimper? <laughs> That's the worst egg. Exit jingle. Do, 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 do. Bye. Bye. They're getting shorter. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what to I, do. I think I need-